Welcome to Generous Impact. This is Brett Brummett. And this is Amanda Brummett. We are joined today by Phil Baker, PharmD. Phil is the founder of Good Shepherd Pharmacy, Remedy Chain, and Halo Scripts. In this episode, you'll learn about his two incredible nonprofit pharmacy organizations that he created to help patients in need access medications. Bill, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, We really appreciate your time and and your passion for all the great things you're doing. I would love for you to tell us about your background, both personally and professionally. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm very grateful that y'all are interested in talking to me about this. And happy to kind of share my my journey. Um, I am a pharmacist in Memphis, Tennessee. Graduated pharmacy school. I, I grew up here in Memphis. Uh, went away for college. Did a stint in the Marine Corps, um, and then came back to Memphis to go to pharmacy school, and have been here ever since. I graduated pharmacy school in 2005 and went to work for Kroger as a pharmacy manager. I'd worked for them all through school. And uh, I saw, I opened, I came right out of school as a pharmacy manager, which was kind of unusual, and opened a, a fairly new store and was in love with the profession. Like, I really loved it. I knew my patients, saw them a bunch. I lived in the same neighborhood that my store was in, which they tell you not to do, but I did. So like I would see people at church and just, you know, walking around the neighborhood. And over the course of about six years, the volume got cranked up. And the staffing got cranked down to where it just felt like I'd had that taken away from me. Like I'd have people come by and say, man, Phil, I came by the pharmacy yesterday and you never looked up. Like I, I waved at you, but you never looked up. You were head down count the whole time. Ultimately got burned out. It's quite, quite simply just got burned out. So I did that for six years. I left there and went to uh, become director of pharmacy at a small little rehabilitation hospital, like 40 beds. And um, was a, a wonderful job for a pharmacist, very comfortable. But there I saw again, man, I just saw pricing games <laughs> being played and, you know, do more with less. And it was, it was just really frustrating. The, the, the worst thing of it all is, was for me, was that in both cases in retail and hospital, like 90% of the drugs cost a penny a pill. Like it's all pricing games. It's all, shenanigans that happen in the community primarily due to the PBM. And so in 2013, uh, the Lord called me to start a nonprofit that was supposed to just help people manage their medication. We weren't going to like build prescriptions at all. We we're just going to meet and consult people. And um, we very quickly, we formed a nonprofit and just really quickly, <laughs> we know we were in the business of opening a, a charity pharmacy connected with uh, an organization that could provide us called the Dispensary of Hope that could provide us with a whole bunch of donated meds for free that we could dispense to low-income uninsured patients um, at no charge. We got a free location in a local, largely abandoned retail mall, um, 80% closed. I got free rent for the first two years. And in 2015, opened Good Shepherd Pharmacy, which is a nonprofit pharmacy that doesn't accept insurance. That was that was the big main difference. We're not going to do insurance. Our members pay a monthly membership fee, uh, whatever they can afford. In exchange, they get access to whatever we have in stock or whatever we can get. If it's something we have to special order it for them, 
then we do that, but we sell it to them at our cost. And you guys know the pharmacy's cost again is pennies a pill, so it's a, a huge discount. And the idea was to make medicine affordable for uninsured folks, also to to prove that you could do it a different way. <laughs> you do do it without without billing insurance. That's incredible. Um, well, before we get into the depth of Good Shepherd, a couple of just comment follow things. One, thank you for your service to the Marines, which appreciated there. Um, two, you use the word PBM. We have a lot of healthcare people that listen, but just in case anybody doesn't, that's pharmacy benefit manager. Manager. Right? It means prescription yeah. insurance. Yep. Perfect. And then, Phil, as I understand, in your personal life, you're a pretty pretty busy guy. Got a lot going on. Do you want to? You want yeah. to share that? It just it, it yeah. the lens at which you look through life has changed by that. Absolutely, yeah. So along the way, we I have uh, my wife and I have had six kids. Uh, essentially, had three COVID babies in short succession. <laughs> if it was that long. I don't know if you still call them that, but um, been very very blessed with a very large family. Yeah, that's incredible. It makes all the different things that you're doing even more impressive that you're you're juggling that. So well done. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's get into the details about your companies. So I first learned about you from Brett. He told me about how you were redispensing cancer drugs um, through Remedy Chain. Um, and then when I started researching that, well, this Good Shepherd Pharmacy is an incredible story too. Um, and then I understand you even have a third company. So can you just walk us through that and, and what they do? It all started with Good Shepherd Pharmacy. And so not uh, just picking right up where I was, um, not maybe a month after we opened the pharmacy, people started bringing me medicine that they wanted to donate. And they would say, my grandfather was on hospice. He had cancer and he passed away last week. And we have all this medicine. It's never been opened up. There's nothing wrong with it at all. We know it's super expensive. And we want to donate it to your charity pharmacy. And in 2015, when I started, that was illegal in the state of Tennessee. There were no donation and reuse laws. And yeah, so, I think in most states it's illegal, right? Well, it was. It's changing very rapidly. I actually yeah. checked just right before this call, and it's up to 44 now states who have some form of law, but that's a broad definition. Um, there's a couple dozen states now that have programs that are active. And so in 2015, when I opened the pharmacy, I, long story short, I connected with a, a couple of legislators and we drew up some legislation that got passed in 2017 that made it legal for anybody in the country to donate unopened, unused, unexpired, perfectly good cancer medication to our program. And in 2019, we kind of built the platform out to be able to do that. And so that is called, uh, the organization is called Remedy Chain, and the website is donatemymeds.org. And so we built out a system where if you have unused medicines, specifically cancer medicines, um, you can click a button on the website and give us your information. We send a shipping label so you can donate the meds. You don't have to pay anything. We cover the shipping costs. Um, we keep those on hand, and then we redispense them to people who can't afford their cancer medicine completely for free. And we even cover the shipping when we send the cancer medicines out. And so we've been doing that now. We just finished our fourth year, and I, I just wrapped up the numbers for the year. Um, we just did a pilot study 
with Blue Cross Blue Shield in North Carolina to kind of measure the impact that's being provided uh, for all of 2023. And we've reclaimed like $18 million worth of meds and matched uh, over $4 million worth to almost 500 patients last year, which was a huge jump over the previous year. So we're seeing that program just grow by leaps and bounds, being huge impact. So that's kind of, I, I wear a lot of hat um, and there's the, several different organizations. Kind of the way I like to describe it is Good Shepherd Health is kind of the umbrella over uh, Remedy Chain, which creates access to meds. We can accept donated meds from anybody, anywhere. Good Shepherd Pharmacy is the pharmacy actually distributes those meds. It's licensed in 32 plus states and we stay on top of the donation and reuse laws and all of that. So access increasing access but then also increasing prescription adherence through the pharmacy and sending things on a set schedule um, which is kind of a big deal about what we do oh yeah that's huge when i was researching you guys it's, it's like how it used to be almost the story you were telling when you started at kroger where your pharmacist actually knows you and knows what you're allergic to knows what you're taking and gosh i wish everybody got their medications that way yeah, it's service first. And and that's something that I, I didn't really touch on in the way that the biggest way that Good Shepherd Pharmacy is different is that we don't do insurance. But the second biggest way is the way the pharmacy operates. And and that is every prescription in the pharmacy is filled on the same set schedule. So once a quarter, all the prescriptions are due. We have to refill 2,000 prescriptions and we staff up and we fill them all out and we ship them. Um but then we step down. All the filling is done, and we're only filling for the rest of the quarter the acute meds that need to be done or the dose changes. And that creates a whole lot of time. <laughs> and with that time, we're able to, one, work proactively with physicians to get those prescriptions on file for the next batch, which is a lot harder than it sounds because they just gave refills. Why, why are you trying to get this one? But also just coordinate care to make sure they're meeting their appointments and, and do you know all sorts of other things as well. It is. It's very much customer service first. I love you get the burned out pharmacist that goes back for customer service on an interview with what might be the burned out insurance guy. Sometimes um, <laughs> that decide to do things a slight bit different. Yeah. Um, and, and in that, I'm curious. Back before you started Good Shepherd, like how how long did that idea start to digest and resonate before you started really going for it? Oh, for a good, there was a whole year where I was just praying every day to quit my job. Please let me quit my job and start this thing. I was ready to do it. Um, so, and, and it was always going to be a membership model from the get-go. Part of it was, you know, in order to be impactful as a nonprofit, you've got to be financially self-sustainable. So I wanted to do maximum impact, meaning I wanted to be able to accept donated meds and be able to buy them. But I wanted to also prove that you could do it, not always have your hand out for funding. You could do it sustainably through the membership fees. Where, where did the membership model come from for you? Like, what was your introduction? DPC, I saw it was, you know, 2014 at the time when I was, you know, this year I'm talking about before we launched the pharmacy. And I'm seeing DPC take off. I was working in communication for whatever reason. I was in that community. Uh, I'm pretty, uh, I wouldn't say friends. Or well. I'm well connected to Josh Umber, who's the founder of Atlas MD, which is a software platform that'll 
and have been friends with him since 2015. And so I saw it work for, it made perfect sense. I saw the numbers. I did, I remember the year before we opened the pharmacy running, constantly running prescription numbers. Like, can we do, is it really this cheap? Are these meds this inexpensive? And yeah, the kind of, it was pre-med, it was always kind of set out to be not just open to charity pharmacy that would always be dependent on funding and limited, but prove out a financially sustainable model so that we could ultimately be a national program, um, which right now we're in, like I said, I, I believe 32 states. And, and that membership model, I mean, throughout the 32 states, you have 30 memberships coming from 32 states then uh, today? Licensed to serve patients in 32 states. We have actively have members in more than a dozen um mm -hmm. but not all i know for sure not all 32. from where you are today like how far along are you in that initial dream of impact have you already exceeded your initial goals mm -hmm. my initial yeah maybe my initial goals because my initial goals were to prove out a model a different business model that could be repeated and so I feel like we're kind of wrapping up that stage where we've, we've proved out. I've got a, a paper that was just published in the Journal of the American Pharmacists Association this month that talks about the membership model and how this is a sustainable future. You can have a membership with local patients and keep a roof over your head. It was never, my intention was never to grow some super mega pharmacy and take over the business. It was to give community pharmacists a way like DPC to keep a roof over their head. So to one end, I feel like we've done that with Good Shepherd. We, we've run it for seven years now. We've documented every process. All the patients are synchronized so that everything is processized and um, all the clinical stuff that we're doing has been tested out. We're starting to publish the results that we've seen. The bigger impact is now see people open their own practices and we'll repeat this in different locations. And that's that would be the next phase. As, as I was about to ask, you're starting to see the same thing that, that Dr. Umber did, that once exactly. he started doing it and sharing, other people are doing the same thing now. That's amazing. Yeah, that's where, I, that's where we want to go next. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm a fan of replicating over having to scale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially when it comes to customer service. And if your end goal isn't yeah. to get rich, then you can do that easily by sharing that information and helping people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the, the profit status helps that way. It would be um, it's self-sustainable, but not. Yeah. I'm actually impressed to hear that it's self-sustainable. To be honest, I assumed that your um, your pharmacy product that works more with the big employers. I just assumed that funded uh, Good Pharmacy or Good Shepherd and Remedy Chain. No, that that is, and that's that's why I have to mention Halo Scripts because it isn't. We. Um, our, right now, through Good Shepherd Pharmacy, we're managing uh, roughly 300 patients. And so membership fees are covering probably 40% of our costs. Um, but they don't, just those membership fees don't. But in addition to Good Shepherd Pharmacy, we also have Halo Scripts. We're managing uh, another 500 patients, and on the, which is a for-profit arm that contracts to, with uh, self-insured employers. Um, that are offsetting that deficit. You know, back back to the employer having offset the deficit. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy with this one. Most of the time, I'm anti that, but this time, I'm happy with it because um, it, it definitely meets the need of the community. Yeah, the 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 mission is to create a new community pharmacy that says to the local salt mine, 
I can help you, Mr. Self-Insured Local Employer. I can help you manage those costs. And at the same time, have a membership model that serves people with no insurance, the lowest incomes, that makes medicines. And so it's the combination of those two that produce a single pharmacy. This is what it looks like. You have to be able to do all these new things. And that's the model I'd like to repeat. I'd like to see that. Now that you've got some some road behind you, what are what have you dreamed about bigger impact or what's now possible moving forward that you may have not realized early on? Oh, I don't know. I don't I think again, like kind of like I just described, just seeing this row um and seeing the impact that has on different communities. Um um, I follow the health Rosetta community and I've seen, I've literally seen the impact that the, those advisors are having on their communities. And it's, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch. It's a good thing. And I look forward to, um, a day where I could look at the good shepherd pharmacy model, Halo scripts model, and, and kind of see the same thing happening in other places. Amazing impact. I love that. So Phil, I have a question a little bit more on the business slash personal side. So you're running three organizations. It sounds like you're also helping share ideas in the community, the greater pharmacy community. You're constantly innovating. You've got six kids and a wife, and you take care of people that are really sick. And that can be pretty heavy work. So what drives you personally? And then how do you keep your team motivated? Oh, personally, I just, I don't feel like I have a job. I love my work. I love what I do so much that it doesn't feel like work and so um i truly believe i was made to do what i'm doing and, and that i'm doing what the creator made me to do and um and i'm grateful for that every day um my team members i have a very small team and they're very close to me so um and that's down from at one point i had a staff of 14 now, now I have a staff of, uh, including myself, four, and we're all really good at what we do, and <laughs> and they, uh, we really are serious about what we do, uh, and so I feel like with my team we could accomplish any task. We could do prescription reclamation. We could do. We could accomplish anything. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's not just brains. It's persistence as well. And so, um, keeping them motivated, the work is, is rewarding. The, the feedback that we get from our patients truly is we we truly are a customer service first organization and the feedback we get from our patients is wonderful. It is. And that, you know, that may be a cancer patient who is in remission now and just spent the last year on cancer meds that we provided to them. Or uh, just a member of one of the groups that we manage, we get a lot of, you know, great feedback from them as well. Um, and that really, that really propels us forward too. And then we have mouths to feed. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not wealthy sitting back doing that. We're, we, we, uh, we have to uh, support. We've got several families that we're all trying to support as well. That, that's an awesome story. I feel like we could do a whole show on the culture of a high performing team like that. With that, I mean, you described the downturn of staffing. Was that a hard decision or just a necessary decision? Because that's always hard when you have people. Well, that came from, so our our model is kind of proving out the pharmacist should be paid for the 
intellectual work, not for the dispensing meds. And that's where we've landed. Um, when we started, we were filling all the prescriptions. We were doing 4,000 prescriptions every batch cycle, um, had a free pharmacy technician school. And so we had just a lot of bodies in the pharmacy. And that has trickled down now to where we're only dispensing meds for the most needy. And um, we're really kind of managing across multiple pharmacies more and more. So GoodRx may be able to get it cheaper than me. And yeah, I got it at cost at 200, but GoodRx is sometimes lower than cost. They may have a drug for 160. So now I've got to tell my patient to go there to get that one and then to get these ones here. Um, it's become um, <laughs> much more, it's, it's cut us away from fulfillment so much. We don't necessarily have to fill every prescription. When you look forward at the business and just your personal impact, I mean, 15 years from now, if someone says Phil Baker, what do you want them to have as a response out of their mouth? I want to leave with my kid <laughs> and say, oh, that's so, so is dad. That's a hard um, thing to do with that many organizations. But I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Professionally, I would say I would like that for them to say membership pharmacy. Really, the all of it that's built around the membership pharmacy model, which is direct pay, don't make anything on prescriptions, make all your um, revenue on a management fee, price transparency in care, care, care. That's amazing. And, and again, to be able to do that and still have the perspective of how to have dad first, super honored. I read something online the other day that the only people that will remember you worked at night and on the weekends are your kids. Yeah, that one that one sunk in. Yeah. <laughs> so Phil, what, what's next for you? You've done a ton in a very short amount of time. So what's next? I don't, I think I'm just going to keep doing the work every day. So every, there's different opportunities with the different organizations. Remedy Chain just wrapped up that, that year-long pilot study with Blue Cross Blue Shield. And we also recently won um, a, a sizable grant from the McKesson Foundation. And so that program's been around for several years, but now it's truly been validated. I have four years worth of data. People are really seeing the results and starting to get it. And so I look forward to seeing this year, seeing that grow, continue to grow. I think there's huge potential for that to be a national drug closet and, and all the impacts that can come along with that. Um, Halo Scripts is uh, partnering with more and more uh, self-insured employers. We're growing just as fast as we can on that front. And Good Shepherd has um, continued to just do the work. We still have you know 300 patients on the books. That I, literally, it's the beginning of January. It's the batch. I was counting prescriptions this morning to be shipped out <laughs> that we're kind of wrapping up the counting portion of the batch right now. Um, and so just kind of maintaining those patients and um, finding too that we're doing just a lot more studies now, partner with universities to get these papers out and studies. And so looking forward to doing that more in the future as well. Yeah, that data is huge, not only improving the concept, but rolling it out to the, I mean, you mentioned McKesson and Blue Cross Blue Shield and having data to back that up really, really helps make that case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, it also gives a lot of hope and, you know, motivation for people to do the same thing. 
you know, and I know you mentioned a couple of the organizations and movements that have, you know, fed into that via, you know, either the health Rosetta or the direct primary care physician movement. What, what other organizations outside of those are you finding that inspire you or fulfill you these days? There, um, there's a bunch on the, the charity pharmacy front, people out doing the good work, no credit, no money. Um, charitypharmacy.org is like a national association of charity pharmacies that uh, I helped found. And so there are a bunch of guys that are members of that, different organizations that are doing reclamation in different ways. Uh, One is an organization called Serum. They um, do not exclusively, but kind of their thing is partnering with long-term care facilities like nursing homes to reclaim meds and redispense those. Um, there's SafeNet RX in Iowa, which is a state-funded repository program that gets a lot of medications through the prison system from directly from donors and all different sources and redistributes those. And those guys are um they're every bit as innovative as, as I am. <laughs> bragging about being innovative. They're they're out there doing it every day and not getting any credit. And so those are the folks that I follow and root for. Um, before I get to my last most important question, how did you get involved in those studies? Did they find you? Did you find them? Uh, either the Blue Cross one or going out and find the McKesson grant. Like, how active were you and your team in that? So that's a great question. Um, I have to remind myself because the best things never have anything to do with me. So, um, the way in the case of Blue Cross Blue Shield, um, there was a pharmacist that heard about us. We're partnered with Needy Meds. A lot of people have heard of Needy Meds. You can go to their website and look up assistance programs. Mm-hmm. And Needy Meds did a website about us, donateyourmeds.org and how to do it. And a pharmacist on staff there called me. And so we set up a conversation. I gave him a presentation. This is what we do. And it was like from square zero. Well, how can we work together? What could we do? Um, there's probably a year, maybe a year and a half of that conversation and running it by legal, <laughs> what we could do, what we couldn't do <laughs> to get to an eventual agreement that we signed last December. And um, the pilot essentially was, we're going to run the study. Well, they, on their end of it, they publicized us to their patients, their doctors. Um, in truth, they did very little. They held up very, they did like a couple of webinars and sent out a couple of emails and did a blog post. They didn't do any of their social media. So, um, but despite that, uh, we measured the, what came out of North Carolina due to their publicity because we weren't really doing anything specifically in North Carolina before. And um, the results were phenomenal. Like the whole platform saw a 25% jump essentially. Um, from that. And so I just reported those results to them 10 minutes before this call. <laughs> I just wrapped them up yesterday. <laughs> um, and they were much better than I expected. So it was really good. But that came to me because there was pharmacists that saw a webinar that gave me a call and that it was a long sales cycle, put it that way. The Kesson Foundation, they were someone was doing research and reached out to us and gave them a presentation. And again, Ned and none of my hustling had anything to do with it. <laughs> Best things are <laughs> falling to my lap. Nice. But you had the presentation ready. Yeah. It was, which is always very helpful. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready to rock and roll given the opportunity. Very nice. Yeah. 
Well, the biggest question is what can we do and what can our community do for you and Good Shepherd? Because we want to make sure we're supporting your efforts because you're not only fixing the Memphis community, but you're fixing a broader community. Absolutely. Um, you can uh, just follow us, um, Good Shepherd Health. Uh, we started a YouTube channel, putting helpful videos out there um, on LinkedIn as well. And if you have any meds, any unused cancer meds um, that you'd like to donate, go to donatemymeds.org and give us a try there. You can donate them for free. Um, and you can spread the word uh, specifically about the meds. The, the, we want to be able to just you know process as many unused meds as we can possibly bring in. And we did a lot last year, but we're nowhere near our capacity. Nowhere near. We could do more than 10 times what we're doing now without having to hire any new people. And so really this year we'll be focused on donatemymeds.org, <laughs> donate your unused meds. I'm really spreading the word. Fantastic. Well, we will definitely do that. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your efforts. And I know you may not like things like pioneering and, you know, all the other accolades that go, but thank you for all, all that work of being an early adopter and really um, paving a pathway for us to all look forward. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Wow. Phil Baker takes such a humble approach to all that he has accomplished. When he talked about how he worked with lawmakers to drastically change laws so that he could give cancer patients free reclaimed drugs, that's a huge accomplishment. And that last year, they reclaimed $18 million worth of drugs and then distributed them to almost 500 patients is absolutely incredible. And the inventory and logistics system they've created to synchronize their fills is mind-blowing. Such an incredible organization. Well, if you want to learn more about Phil Baker and the good work his team is doing, find them at goodsheppehealth.com and donatemymeds.org.